Hey everybody, this is So Many Sequels, I'm Josh. I'm Andrew. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Today on the show, we what are talking... train wreck? Oh, that's not, that's not ab- abnormal. No. That's, that's pretty standard. I would uh, say we're not even really in train wreck stage yet. We haven't <laughs> left the station. No, we've noticed that the engineer is drunk, though. <laughs> he do be drunk. He do be do be Accident drunk. is waiting there. Oh, God. Just keep going, Josh. I'm sorry. <laughs> Today on the show, we're talking about Iron Man 3. Finishing up. The Iron Man trilogy. Uh, Iron Man three. That's right, Iron Man three. <laughs> Last week we talked about Iron Man two. Whoa! Today we talk about Iron Man three. Oh, yes, Iron Man three, starring Robert Downey Jr. Don like Cheadle. Oh, he's no. It's just Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> uh, this movie came out in 2013. This is actually the uh, first Iron Man movie not to be directed by John Favreau. Fun mm-hmm. fact about the film. But see, he's a bigger um, role for him. Yes, but happy, happy uh, Madison, Gilmore, whatever. <laughs> Hogan. Uh, Hogan. Hulk, happy Hulk Hogan comes in That's right. a little bit more. So, but anyway, yes, uh, Don Cheadle, Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Don Cheadle also get bigger roles in this film. Uh, we got Guy Pierce, uh, Ben Kingsley. And some others. But that's not, that's not the point. The point is that this movie wraps up the Iron Man trilogy. Although those, are, those people who are fans of the MCU know that it does not wrap up Iron Man's story. Uh, just this set of films. So it also takes place after the first Avengers film where they have the Battle of New York where the aliens come in. You all remember this. Tony almost dies. He attempts to sacrifice himself, but he ends up surviving. Um, but in this movie, Tony's dealing with what you got a question already. Is that in a previous episode? It is. What? You can see, you can listen to our Avengers review. All right. Uh, just uh, yes. check back through your so many sequels uh, yes. playlist. You can listen to the Avengers episode. Uh, Tony's dealing. Oh, <laughs> Garrett left. Oh, now Garrett's left. Um, Tony's dealing with some PTSD from that event through this film, uh, which gives us a whole new uh, kind of level and dynamic to tell mm-hmm. it's what i like a lot about the iron man films is that each one you know has they each have their pros and cons but each one moves tony forward a little bit more as a as a human character that's yeah. right you know we see the in, in iron man one tony is the playboy millionaire and that never really goes away but he sees the damage that his job d- does. He sees what it does to people. Uh, he sees his own life, like, essentially flash before his eyes. And he has this, like, come to Jesus moment where he's like, okay, I need to turn things around. Then you got Iron Man 2 where he's dealing with his, you know, mortality and all that stuff. Then you got Iron Man 3 where he's dealing with his feelings. He's got a lot of feelings. Uh, there's a new bad guy in town, the Mandarin. He is this, like... Uh, out-of-body terrorist type of guy who's only seen in videos. He's very cryptic. He's very uh, menacing and intimidating. He, like, he like hacks into the president's phone and stuff like that. He, he hacks into, like, U.S. broadcast airwaves. Mm-hmm. Very much inspired by sort of the, you know, 9-11-esque terrorism. Right. 
Uh, He's after Tony. Sentiments. But not everything is as it seems. And the Mandarin is a fake. Spoiler alert. Mm. And the real bad guy is, uh, what's his name? Aldridge Killian? Killian. Who is is a... uh, He's got superpowers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, that's that's the movie. What do we think about it? How long has it been since we've seen this movie? Really sat with it? And how does it hold up? I would would say for me, the last time I saw it was probably like 2017, maybe. Mm -hmm. I think I probably rewatched it while we were getting ready for Infinity War to come out, things like that. I I rewatched like a bunch of them. And um, I would say that I remember my initial viewing. I remember um, thinking it was really cool, but not necessarily loving the, the end of the movie. I was a little bit confused because also during that time period it was a very uncertain time for uh the marvel movies in general like was this we did at the time we didn't even know was this robert downey jr's last time playing iron man there was no like reason to believe we were going to get another iron man movie um maybe he'll show up in avengers 2 and that'll be it we just don't we just didn't really know so i was like i don't know if this is like you know the best way to send him off or anything like that i had problems with as uh, another spoiler alert at the end of the movie, he actually gets his arc reactor taken out. And I thought that seems like a really drastic thing to do. Like he kind of removed the part that makes him uniquely Iron Man is this whole, you know, thing in his chest. But, uh, but a lot of that was just sort of initial reactions and not really knowing what the future would hold. Now, having seen where it all went, I actually think that the movie's slightly more enjoyable now than it was then um, because it really, is a part of his story, a part of his growth. Um, you see in this movie his desire to be a protector, and like it's to a, it's reaching a critical mass of like he's gone going too far. His own health is starting to deteriorate, and his own like mental state is starting to deteriorate because he's so committed to the idea of I have to be the protector, like all this stuff happened in New York and it was this crazy stuff that no one ever could have seen coming. Uh, you know, I, I met a, a God from another planet. Like I, I met a soldier who's been alive for 80 years and there's all these super spies and aliens and all this crazy stuff. I have to be ready for anything. I have to be ready for everything. And you can really see here where the seeds of where like things like Ultron and all this other stuff would have been, and, and, and his response to the accords where all that stuff would really come from is his desire to, protect the world without destroying it. Yeah. Next. Next on the show. So I, this was like, I for a long time did not watch this movie, not because I didn't like it. I just didn't, I just hadn't seen it yet. And of the Marvel Comics Universe movies, this was the last one that I've seen like out of place. And I saw it last year. Uh, well, for the first time? For the first time. You and, remember his relationship with Iron Man 1. Yeah. <laughs> he like, thought it looked dumb. <laughs> and he, they like, he thought Iron Man 2 on home video. But like I wanted to I wanted to complete like I wanted to complete watching all of the uh, Marvel cinematic movies. So I watched I watched Thor the Dark World first and then this. Mm. And I liked this a lot better than I liked um Iron Man two, mm-hmm. by, by 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 a margin, 
because like I felt it was more entertaining. I felt there was a way better story, and I I wasn't there. There wasn't any time that I was bored by it. Yeah. You know, I liked this movie. I didn't like this movie the first time I saw it. Um, I didn't hate it. I just was indifferent to it. And then uh, watching it this time, I really enjoyed it. But now that I'm thinking back on it, the movie itself is kind of forgettable. Like, there are pieces of this movie that I like and that I remember. But, like, the movie as a whole was kind of forgettable. Um, uh, is it Guy Pierce or Guy Ritchie? I genuinely can't Guy remember. Pierce. It's Guy never Pierce. Ritchie. Guy Ritchie's I, the director. Yeah, they don't man. even look alike. I did like don't hate confusing Russell Crowe and Will and and and, and uh, Colin Farrell. Like yeah. I do that all the time for no reason. Yeah, I just can't. I, I, I don't care. Uh, I did. I I don't know. I don't know, man. Like I, again, there are pieces of this movie that I like, and I and if you take away, if you pluck those individual pieces, then I like it. But like you put it all together into a movie, and it's like it's good when you're watching it. But like I will never ever go you know what movie i want to watch iron man 3 i won't do that mm. uh, not that there's anything wrong with this movie it's just in the moment is great uh but after the fact it's just kind of like well that was two hours well spent i guess no, i won't do it again yeah that's a glowing review compared to most of what we talk about on this show yeah <laughs> most is uh, uh forgettable would be a compliment to most of yeah. our movies I mean, it's definitely better than two. Um, oh, God. There's not even a comparison to me. It is yeah. miles and miles better than two. Yeah. Um, um, it's a lot better I, than I remember it from the first time. But, yeah, I'm just not going to ever watch it again. My only real complaint with this movie is I'm, I'm not a fan of the twist. Um, yeah. I'm not a fan of Ben Kingsley being outed as a, uh actor who is just playing the role of the Mandarin to cover up the actions of uh, Guy Pierce's Aldridge uh, Killian, um, because Ben Kingsley's so good and he's so scary and intimidating as the Mandarin. And while there is a certain amount of humor to seeing him just be like goofy Trevor the actor, uh, it's almost like a, a shock to the system to to make that leap for me. And it kind of it took what could have been a pretty cool um, Iron Man villain and turned it into the same kind of villain that we've seen in every movie up to this point, the uh, the big company man. And I get that that's like Iron Man's thing, but man, it was close to being really cool. That's my main complaint. But I will say, the, as a villain, Guy Pierce is far better than uh, Mickey Rourke was. Yeah. <laughs> he was way better at that. I just want to add real quick that I think Guy Pierce in general is a great, is a really good actor. Mm-hmm. He's an incredibly good actor. And what is he paying oh, you? So what? Is he paying you for this? No, he's not paying. No, he's not paying me. Um, okay. But like, but like he's uh no, I, I've always liked, I've always liked whatever he's been in. Like he's just, he, he's just really good for the work and, mm-hmm. and he's a highly underrated actor. And okay. he's one of the he's one of the better villains in MCU that we have that that so far has been in the MCU universe. You think? I do. You think so? 
I do. Yeah, I, I'll agree with you. It may be one of the best actors they've gotten mm. to play a villain. Sure, but Great. one yeah. of the best villains? Yeah, yeah I don't know. No. I don't know it doesn't really that. stand out to me because I don't feel like mm. even even though he does have some some superpowers that he does he does show off at the end of the movie, I don't feel like he spends enough time as like that. He doesn't he's not super he's not superpower bad guy enough. Like he's he's very much like cryptic bad guy for the majority of the movie. Um, and if you're going to do that, you have to do it in a way that really doesn't give it all away. I don't know. I, I, I'm trying to, trying to figure out because like, I don't want to say that like a, a bad guy without superpowers wouldn't be interesting because I find, I think that Zemo in civil war is the most, one of the most interesting bad guys they've had. And he doesn't have like any real superpowers that he shows off. He never actually physically fights with almost anybody, but I feel like, Aldrich Killian, it just feels so his character arc through the movie feels so predictable that it doesn't really have any impact when he proclaims himself to be the Mandarin. It's just kind of like, eh. yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess so. You yeah. knew he was a bad guy the whole way through. That wasn't really a surprise. Uh, I, you know, I, I go back to the very first episode we did of Iron Man talking about it and how it was, in my opinion, a risk to use Iron Man because he wasn't one of the ones that people really knew. Um, and even going through, you know, this movie came out when? I don't remember. 2013. 2013. So several years after Iron Man came out. And my knowledge of his comic book universe was still very small. Um, I didn't really know. I didn't really look into the comic book universe. But the one villain that I'd heard of was the Mandarin. Um, my understanding was that was kind of one of Tony's like big time villains. And I feel like, uh, the twist really ruined that. Um, I don't know why they would take a villain who was relatively well known and turn him into that rather than just have created a character for, yeah. I think that's the main issue that I have with it. If you want to deliver this story the way they did don't make Ben Kingsley's character, the Mandarin make it something else yeah. uh, like a new villain trying to uh, create its niche. And then, and then you see Aldridge pulling the strings, but like to take an existing character like that and then just blow it up is really problematic. And I'm interested to see how they're going to do it because like we know the real Mandarin allegedly is going to be in uh, Shang-Chi when that comes out. So I'm going to, I'm interested to see how they go about that. Um, yeah. Whether or not they reference it, it, that storyline at all or not. Yeah. But yeah, that, that is a big problem uh, that I have with it and it kind of sucked the fun out of it. Um, and, and it just became a little goofy um, at that point in time. Um, and then after that, it, it never really picked back up for me. Uh, it got better, but it never got back to where it was before that happened. Um, but uh, again, yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I was really into this movie whenever we were watching it and we were finished it. But now that we're talking about it, I'm like, whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, the humor is there. A lot of the charm is there. There's an interesting element with Tony suffering from anxiety attacks and things like that, a, a position we haven't seen the character in. Um, and honestly, probably one that he was due for considering all the different things he's gone through. Over all the, the Tony stuff is great. Or films by that point. Um, you know, we get a little bit of uh, different kind of stuff. I, I think that 
it's, it is interesting to tell stuff with the Mandarin because I feel like they kind of put themselves in a hole by using the name, the Mandarin, when they really could have just used any name they wanted. Obviously, I think even, even after the first Avengers movie, I guess they must have thought that the general movie-going audience wasn't ready for what the Mandarin in the, co- <clears throat> in the comic books actually is. So they must have said, well, they're not ready for that. Let's really try to make it realistic. And so they kind of crafted this semi, what, quasi-Middle Eastern, uh, you know, terrorist uh, that's very, that's very fit, you know, seems very recognizable in today's world um, as opposed to, you know, a, a Chinese wizard essentially with alien space rings. It, it's like, it's much more tangible for the audience to grasp onto. But they could have just made that anything. You know, like you said, they could have just named him, you know, instead of the Mandarin, just named him, you know, the master. I mean, they call him the master. Every, every other character in the movie calls him the master. So they could have just called him the master as his name. And it wouldn't have been this letdown because I think for any fans who actually know the character name, they're disappointed. And then you have to do what you're talking about, Garrett, which is now they want to actually bring that character in. Now that people have seen things like Thanos and guardians of the galaxy, and they've accepted, you know, Thor Ragnarok and all this weird comic booky stuff. Now they want to bring the Mandarin back, but now they kind of have to address the fact that they had a fake Mandarin earlier on in their stuff for people who really care about that kind of thing. And you can make the argument that maybe they just shouldn't care. They just should just move on. But I think that that's not really their style. So it, I don't know. I, I kind of wish yeah, that they had done something a little bit different because even then the, the, pay, the payoff, the reveal wouldn't have been quite as sour if you're, you didn't have this like grandiose build of this special character. If it was some new character you had never heard of. You know, one thing they could do is uh, address it in a way of um, having Shang-Chi take place at the same, similar time as Iron Man 3, at least for like an origin story aspect. Um, You know, the Mandarin sees this thing on TV and somebody's taking his name and is like, I'll show them they're trying to, bang off my name well i'll show them and then shang chi's like hold up wait a minute um that's one thing they could do um, but circling back to just iron man 3 the one thing that i liked about it a lot is all of the tony aspects and i will always like tony and iron man what i liked about this movie is that we got to see more of tony stark uh handling and fighting as himself rather than iron man yeah we got really just, iron man yeah it really just goes to show that even without the Iron Man suit, he can still handle himself. Like the Iron Man suit is is obviously something he needs because Tony Stark is just a regular guy. He's like the he's like Batman. He has no like superpower mm-hmm. other than the fact that his brain is very smart and he's a very tech genius man. So he can make all of these things, but he himself doesn't have a superpower. So you take the suit away and you think, well, he's just going to get his butt kicked. But no, he can handle himself and he shows that throughout this movie. And I think that also adds to the PTSD aspect of it is anytime that he really is having trouble, it's talking about Iron Man. And so he's not in the suit. He's remote or he's, you know, he's got all those uh, remote control people that are just like flying around doing their own thing or he's controlling it remotely. Um, He's not in the suit as much. And I think it's because he feels trapped and confined and he, that piques his anxiety. And so he's not in there as much now, whether or not that movie is going for that, who knows, but that's 
an element that I took away from it and just adds to his reservation of being in that suit. That makes sense. Yeah, I love all that stuff. Iron Man sort of like cobbling together stuff because his suit's broken essentially and he's separated from him. Um, you kind of see Iron Man have to fight from underneath in this movie, which he didn't have to do a lot in Iron Man 2 and didn't have to do much of in, in the Avengers. He's having to, he's having to, to be resourceful. Um, you know, a lot of people, I remember at the time the movie came out, complained about that. Like, it's I, the, movie, the name of the movie is Iron Man. I want to see Iron Man. I don't want to see you know, him run around without his stuff. Um, but I think that, I feel like that this goes further to do what we talked about after the first Iron Man movie was making you care more about Tony Stark than about Iron Man. And when people talk about this character, they don't just say Iron Man. They say Tony Stark as interchangeably, you know, the character isn't, uh, isn't necessarily his powers. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. I like that. We get to see Tony go back to his, to his roots from the first one where, you know, the Mandarin has destroyed his home Mm -hmm. and he's presumed dead and forced on the run. And he ends up in middle of nowhere, Tennessee with a broken suit and nothing else. Mm -hmm. And he has to like, just set up shop in a barn and rebuild. And that's a cool part of Tony. You know, we got to see him do that in the cave in the first one. Now we get to see him do it again. Uh, and then we also get a uh, Har- little boy, Harley, mm-hmm. who is a great addition. And I would watch a whole sitcom of Tony and the kid. <laughs> yeah. It'll be really interesting because they took the, they took the initiative to include this kid in Avengers Endgame. Um, you can see him during the during the funeral scene. So I, it ha- it makes me wonder what what if any future plans they have for this character because as far as I know, it's an original character. Um, and uh, the actor he's he's been seen in quite a few other things. You you he was in Jurassic World and a couple other uh, recent uh, film film uh, big blockbuster type films. So. Interesting to see where they go with that because they do craft a pretty good little relationship here. And a lot of this movie is Tony Stark meeting regular everyday people. Um, and which is kind of nice to see Tony kind of in public in the, you know, in the world. Uh, I think he and I think he and Harley have a good relationship. It seems like it reminds me a lot of the, the supposed on-screen chemistry he has with Tom Holland. Cause it feels like they kind of are, ad-libbing at times it feels like they're kind of making it up as they go um so i'm sure they had like a like a like a thread that they had to hit but i like the kid kind of annoying him about his anxiety and him being like yes. stop, stop it and he's like am i not should i not bring that up like it feels like he knows he shouldn't be bringing it up but he wants to he wants to see if like he's lying or not yeah it's a very similar but, aesthetic to uh him and peter parker mm-hmm. The way they kind of poke and prod with each other, and exactly. Harley Harley is a very smart kid. Obviously, um, Tony wants this kid to do well, as you see by the end. That's why he's like refurnished that whole barn with a whole bunch of tech stuff. So uh, it is very uh, cute and foreshadowy look at the relationship between he and Pete. Yeah, and Tony really, you know, maybe Tony's uh, parenting style. Andrew, say words. You've been quiet. Yeah, you're always so silent. I'm silent because I'm listening. Yeah, what did you think of uh, what did you think of uh, uh, director Shane Black's work here? That's big I'm on cinematography, directing things like that. 
because I love Shane Black. Mm-hmm. And when he's not, when he's not doing like, what am I trying to say here? When he's not doing like original work, he does, he, he does stand out even in franchises. I think he was a great addition to this because uh, all of his dialogue and even his plotting, I will give that a major, a major, major plus because Shane Black knows how to plot. And, and the dialogue that, and the dialogue that everybody exchanges back and forth is just like top notch. And I, I really do love Shane Black's work. I'm glad he's, I'm glad he's here for Iron Man and this third one. Is Shane Black also paying you? <laughs> no, he's not. You, no, you say these not. things as if they're off camera handing counter what are bills. Some other, uh, what are some other works of Shane Black that we might recognize, Andrew? Um, the Nice Guys. Mm-hmm. He did The Nice Guys. He did Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Mm-hmm. I think he did, I want to say he did uh, the Lethal Weapon movies. All four? Wrote, I believe not he wrote all four. Them. Yeah. Looking them up right now. Interesting. Um, Iron Man 3, we know that. What'd you all think? Oh, uh, did you find him, Andrew? I was going to give some stall time, but if you found him, go through it. Well, the only thing I was going to say was, was that he was an actor at one point in time. Uh, he did, uh, he was an actor in the movie Predator. Oh, and really? He, yeah. But he did like he did last the movie Last Action Hero, Lethal Weapon Four. He's done a lot. He's done a lot of like early late eighties, early nineties action films. So to to have like I said, to have him in this is to have him in this to have him as part of the franchise. He's not a stranger to franchise work. So to have him part of this franchise is like okay, all right. It's the extra boost in the arm the series kind of needed. Yeah, I think it was good to bring in a fresh, fresh, fresh hand for this. And I do agree with that. Luckily, they kept John Favreau around and gave him more yes. of a perform, like an acting role in this one. Favreau is a really good director, but I, I think that yeah, after Iron Man two, it was right to kind of find something different for him to be doing. Well, mm-hmm. and yeah, some people are not probably not adept to do sequels because it's mm-hmm. it's a continuation. It's like it's like what we talked about last time. This movie's kind of like filler. Or, or the, uh, Iron Man 2 is kind of like filler work. And this movie, yeah. while it does kind of seem like a filler movie, it does have its own story. And it does, in in more ways than one, seem a little fresh. Yeah. Here's it an idea. Fresh. Or here's a thought. So Iron Man 3 was the collective like end of this Tony-specific story, mm-hmm. right? But Tony and Iron Man don't go away. They're in other movies, and, and this is a whole universe of superheroes and whatnot. They are coming out with another Thor movie. That'll be the first one to hit Thor that is yeah. of a singular character. Yeah. Do we think that's a good idea? Um, I don't know. Do we, do we think we get tired of a certain character and want them to be, you know, just kind of pulled in? And made of an ensemble. It because it. Do you think we would have? We all probably would have been like, oh, it would have been great to have an Iron Man four, but would it? Or are we happy with how they did that and they brought him in as a major supporting character or leading character, depending on the movie, 
but it wasn't specifically Iron Man. It was always more than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we don't really, it's hard to say where they're going because we know with, with the next Thor movie, uh, Natalie Portman is Thor. Right, right, um, right. So it's going to be different. I was just trying to check it real quick, and I'm not even sure that uh, Hemsworth is really in it. Oh, he's in it. Is it? Is yeah. he? Yeah, I think so. Go ahead. I don't know. I'd be surprised if he wasn't. I'm pretty sure they announced that it'll, the Chris Hemsworth will be back. Natalie Portman will be back. Um, and they're probably going to, and most of the, probably a lot of the people that Tyka brought in on the last one, I'm sure they'll include Tessa Thompson in some role. Probably not Mark Ruffalo, but they but could, you never really know. Even then, let's, let's say that uh, Hemsworth isn't in it and then just throw this, let's just throw, let's just pick the brains of Marvel creative people. Are we really going to think that Natalie Borman would be the next Thor? Is this just a one-off? Like, no. why would they do that? Uh, I'm, that doesn't seem like a good idea to me if you don't have Hemsworth in it to reunite if they have a, him they give- and uh, Natalie Portman's character from the first one. Mm-hmm. And then you have that continuing storyline of, like, Thor not really being Thor. Uh, he's moved on. But then, hey, there's Jane. And she's taken over. And, and But then where do you go from there? Like, you just hand it over to Natalie Portman, which I'm fine with. But will that be the first person who leaves but continues on the Thor name because that mm-hmm. creates a whole new kind of uh, storytelling element and, and it opens so many different doors. We know everybody changes from time to time. Captain America is going to become, or Falcon's going to become Captain America. Um, there will be another Iron Man or woman who is now a woman in the comics. Are they going to do that down the line? You know, there, there's so many different things they can do, but I kind of like the idea of having a full arc, you know, give each person a trilogy, but keep them a part of the stories because you know you're going to have these Avengers movies and these crossover movies. So they don't need to keep going with these singular specific uh, characters. You can introduce new ones like they've done and then bring the old ones in. And that way you have this ever continuing cycle of getting used to new people while also bringing in the old people that I'm already familiar with to make me like these new characters that I may not be as familiar with at this moment. I don't know. I'm going to guarantee that that whatever they do with a fourth Thor movie, they're going to bring in probably several new characters. Um, They've already introduced uh, like Valkyrie and Thor Love in the in Ragnarok, I'm sure, and it's titled uh, Love and Thunder. So I'm sure they're going to bring in some other kind of quirkier characters that'll kind of continue on that that world. And we may eventually see this might be Chris Hemsworth last last go. Uh, it may be uh, the last time we see Tom Hiddleston on the big screen or something like that. Like I, I think that we'll sort of see these characters start to swan song and maybe hand off, maybe not if not the franchise, at least hand like give. Uh, a bit of a handoff to a different character to start their own. Um, I don't know if we would have, if I would have been excited about an Iron Man four. I think at the time in 2013, maybe, but I think the way they handled it was fine. And I wouldn't have thought if four Thor would ever happen, but I think they really captured something special by getting Taika Waititi involved. And I think his imagination has been flared. And so like, if he didn't have an idea, then I would say, no, don't force it. We don't need another one. You guys did it, and his arc through Infinity War in the Endgame is great. Just leave it be. Yeah. 
But if Tyka's got a great idea and he, um, and, and they have a cool idea for, and the, and, and the creative team is, is involved, sure, go for it. Why not? You know, I, I don't feel, feel like we're going to be getting it anytime soon, but, um, there are, I don't know. There's definitely pros and cons to both. I think you're going to see a lot of new characters in the future. We'll see some old characters return. Um, you know, I think Thor's going to be kind of unique in that sense. I don't know if we're, obviously we're not going to get another Steve Rogers, Captain America movie. We're not going to get another Tony Stark, Iron Man movie. Um, yeah. It's I'd, hard to say I, we'll get any other character movies like that. You know, the way they handled Iron Man in hindsight we definitely did not need another a fourth Iron Man movie just because we got plenty of Iron Man throughout mm-hmm. the Avengers and Civil, Captain America Civil War and all that. So we didn't need that. But I also don't – honestly, I don't think Marvel cares if you want the old characters to, like, serve as a transition piece or not. Just looking at their lineup, I don't think that's something they're interested in because they've got so many new characters they're bringing in, and they're kind of transitioning the old characters to television shows on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And so I don't – you know, Hemsworth probably will be in there in some fashion in Thor 4. I don't really think they care what you think about it. <laughs> you know, like, they're just going to tell you, hey, um, Natalie Portman is the new Thor through whatever title she's given or something. And that's just, you just get to deal with that. <laughs> um, I don't know that they'll do this changing of the guard type of thing, per se. And I mostly say that just because they're, we see them shift these like it was like the first class of like the seniors have graduated and now they're throwing them onto television. And then the new kids are like getting the movies. Um, you gotta be careful because Saved by the Bell in the new class was real bad. Thor got That's why they didn't give them a movie. And Thor got held back. But there's so many other like the phase four is Black Widow. That is you know we know that that's a prequel. Mm-hmm. And we're pretty certain that the idea is to set up Florence Pugh as a new character to tra- to move her into the, her own franchise. Mm-hmm. Well, then we got the Eternals. We know that that's all new people. Shang-Chi, all new people. And then we've got Spider-Man, who this is just his third movie. Mm-hmm. And they've been got, using Iron Man heavily in his stuff. Yeah, so. we got Doctor Strange and the, in the Multiverse of Madness. That's just his second. Yeah. And then we do have Thor going into a fourth movie, but with this new dynamic we don't understand yet. Yeah. So they, well, they know, seem, it, it could be called a second movie. They seem full speed ahead on uh, Let's Be Weird. <laughs> well, and allegedly you're going to have Thor in some way, shape, or form in the next Guardians movie, too. Yeah, they Guardians certainly will implied have, that. Uh, Guardians will have a third movie. Black Panther's going to have a second movie out. So there, Ant-Man will have a third movie come out. So there's so many. Yeah, yeah, Captain Marvel. So there's so many. Yeah, I was just reading Phase 4, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's just so many, um, you know, and I I prefer that, honestly, because in order, again, a lot of these characters you don't know. And so in order for me to really feel like a connection, if I'm thinking, okay, here's what I'm going to do, Mm-hmm. For somebody who might be like, well, you bring in some of those old characters just to give them a rub, and then mm-hmm. there's some, then you feel connected, and then you can take off uh, with them on by themselves, but um, or introduce them in a bigger, 
movie crossover kind of a thing because at some point in time they're also going to do x-men and at some point in time they're going to do fantastic four like Mm -hmm. they're going to have a bunch and uh, being able to weave in this universe is going to be interesting to see how they do it i'll say this at the end of the day there really is no path there's no guide there's no rule book for this marvel's been basically breaking ground on this entire premise of a studio having a large shared universe of characters and storylines that all intersect and go back and forth. There's nothing that says, Hey, you know, it won't work if you do four movies for one character, but only three for the others. And there's no rule that says, Hey, you know, you can't do this. You can't do that. Every other, you know, studio out there that's tried to replicate these, these ideas at all hasn't had the success that Marvel's had with a hand, you know, with the exception of a handful of missteps here and there, Marvel's just kind of proven that like whatever they they'll figure it out. And if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. So like if, you know, they've kind of got the, the, the leeway to decide to do it however they see fit, you know, if they want to do another, uh, if, if they decided 10 years from now to bring back the Iron Man character through shenanigans, that's just kind of their choice. They, that they're the ones who kind of own all the stuff, which have to kind of react. Um, so I, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I don't think I would have wanted Iron Man for. <laughs> no, put out has been good. Yeah, um, but like, I think honestly they did Iron Man better by I think Cap Civil War is Iron Man four for the most part, um, and uh, we we get Iron Man five and six out of Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Going back to Iron Man three, what y'all think of Powerful Pepper? I don't know what her superhero name is. Yeah, I uh, liked her. I thought, well, I, I, I mean, I was. It was an interesting thing to have. That was honestly a bigger twist at the end than the the, the Trevor reveal was. This I was uh, them ladling Pepper with this really dangerous super soldier serum of some sort, and uh, her being all fiery, powerful. And I guess we're left to assume that for the most part, Tony fixed that between Iron Man three and you know the next film but uh uh an interesting little moment I kind of I kind of feel like it's one of those uh missed opportunities long term but in the short term very interesting because you know we see her you know theoretically fall to her death only for her to come back and save Tony well and I I always wonder about that too because he did say that he was going to fix it but did that mean he was going to get rid of it or he was going to stabilize it Because when she comes back in Endgame, she's some kind of superhero. Mm. Um, Don't know really what. And and that's why I feel like it's a kind of a unnecessary because they never, ever did anything with it again. Um, Realistically, it it took me like whenever she came in Endgame, I was like, what the hell is Pepper doing there? Oh, wait, no, she fires. She can she can flame on. Um, because you never see her again in any of those movies. This never comes up again. And then all of the sudden, you know, seven years later, eight years later, however many, it's like, oh yeah, wait a minute. No, she does have powers. And it just seems like a huge waste of memory space. Yeah. But then again, so is Gwyneth Paltrow. (laughs) <laughs> listen goop people i'm not going there i'm not going there. uh you wait you, you like there's a goop letter. army you can say there's a goop letters. army and i'm yes. afraid of andrew nickels at gmail.com 
I will not upset the goop army. She's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, um, I was going to ask, what did you guys think of, cause we talked about it a little bit last week. What did you think about our post credit scene? This was sort of, uh, Forgetting the shawarma one, the first of the jokey post-credit scenes that didn't really mean yeah. anything. Didn't do yeah, anything. Yeah, I mean, we, exactly. We did. We got the shawarma in the Avengers, and then Iron Man three comes out, and we get the the whole like, how does that make you feel? Couch talk with mm. with Bruce, and it's like, why do I, like? Why do you make us wait for that? Like, know, it's, it's funny, kind of. It, yeah. it it served as a very subtle, very unnecessary, but like appreciated plot device where Tony was a narrator of this movie, uh, kind of inexplicably. And mm-hmm. then we find out at the very, very end that he was telling the story to Bruce the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. that's funny, and it and it fills like a little tiny hole that didn't need to be filled, but eh. It did serve a purpose, as, as, as insignificant as it was. <laughs> but it didn't really, but unfortunately... It didn't do anything for me. <laughs> with how they did, with how they were, how they were using these, these post-credit things and the build-up to Avengers, it's kind of like, oh... Well, that was nice, I guess. It it shows that this, you know, all this stuff is still here together. Because look, there's the there's there's Bruce Banner in an Iron Man movie, and that's neat. But it doesn't really like do anything to make you go, oh, I'm so excited to go watch the next movie now, or I'm excited right. for this or that. You know, in yeah, the past, was, this would have been like a tease for Thor: The Dark World in the past. Exactly, it was just a cap on this movie. It didn't really serve as a as a tease. Which I I I always prefer it when it's a tease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't do anything. Didn't do anything. Didn't didn't, didn't care about it. I got one. But then you you just mad at Bruce. Like really, you you slept through the whole thing because he did. The last thing he remembered was the elevator. Yeah, and that was at the beginning of the movie. That was at the very beginning. Come on, yeah. Bruce. Uh, I had a lot of fun with that though. Them going them being in 1999, just about to hit Y2K. Uh, I'm Blues playing Blasting on the Radio. Yeah. Uh, I liked all Josh's that. Josh's favorite liked... song. Josh's I hate that favorite. song. <laughs> it's so annoying. I, I love the, uh, the, 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 honestly, the makeup department should have won an award for trying to make Guy Pierce look ugly at the beginning of this movie. Like, it was a lot, <laughs> a lot of work, and it still didn't really work. I got no, did they even try? It was, was like, like the most stereotypical thing, like, put long hair on him and glasses and call him ugly. That's the way up. it's going to work. Give him a crutch. That'll work. Make oh. his teeth look a little bulbous, but not much. So much effort. And really, honestly, he's still better looking than most of the people that, uh, that I see on a daily basis. <laughs> that was rude. I don't know why I said that. but It's true. Uh, he's, uh, he's, still, he's still Guy Pierce. Um, uh, what was that, Scott? I, was gonna, I had one more thing I wanted to bring up, but I can't remember. You guys move on. I got nothing else to say. No, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, I mean, we covered a lot of it, you know. The movie, the, oh. the what makes this movie important is is Tony's mental state. And yeah. we covered that. The rest, everything else just kind of happens around him. Garrett, you talked about this movie being forgettable. Here's a kind of forgettable aspect about this movie that uh, it takes place during Christmas. Oh, that I was going to ask y'all All for Christmas a poll. Time. Is Iron Man 3 a Christmas movie? Yes or no, go. No, it's a movie set during Christmas. But it's well, I'm going to tie it. Oh, man. Well, uh, tie, tie, tie. Not, a, not a Christmas movie. Where are those reactions? 
You only get thumbs up or clap. Okay. Yeah, they're only positive. <laughs> Zoom is very positive. No, it's not. It's it's because then I have to give I have to concede my argument about um, Die Hard being a Christmas movie, and I will not I will not concede that argument. Die Hard is not a Christmas movie just because it takes place at Christmas. Iron Man three is not a Christmas movie because it takes place at Christmas. That is not how it works at all. I mean, there's a lot of Christmas music infused into it, so it makes it for it makes for a very different feel for a, a big like an action Marvel movie. Um, yeah, I, I found that to be very interesting. Like the second, and honestly, I don't think you'd have any reason to know until he starts playing, uh, you know, dashing through the snow right at the beginning of the movie. Um, Here's what we're gonna do, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it on. I wish more on, movies did that record. though. He said during Halloween. This but not year, the Halloween movie. Do something fun. This year. Going into Christmas, we are going to record an episode that is dedicated to determining the rules for what makes a Christmas movie. Perfect. We're gonna Perfect. we're gonna do that. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna figure it out. We're gonna research what other people are saying, and we're gonna come up with the so many sequels <laughs> definitive list of rules for what makes a Christmas movie. Yes, right. That's yeah. here first. Fantastic <laughs> episode. And yeah. if you want to be involved, uh, you, we will make sure to put that. Yeah, on. absolutely. Let's get fans involved in this because we want to hear from them as much as possible. And don't just say, yes, it is. Give me a reason why. Give me a good fucking reason why. Because, <laughs> Show your work. Because it's, yes, you have to give me a reason why you think Die Hard is a Christmas movie. You, and it can't just be because there's Christmas trees in the background. That's not a good reason. Right. Give me, sell me. I'm the change my mind meme. Change my mind. Really sell me on it. Right. Andrew, who has, <laughs> been, who has been fighting this argument since we've known each other, and he has yet to give me a good reason. I think I'm with you on this one, Garrett. No! I've never on seen what, Die Hard? But to my, in my defense, and this might, be a part of our, this might be a part of our research, I've never seen Die Hard. Oh. So that's going to come into it. I know. Then you're going to have to watch it just for that episode. going to have to watch yeah. Die Hard. Yeah. I'm going to have to really, really sit down, pen and pad, analyze this thing. Because to me, it's an action movie. It's not a Christmas movie. Well, now we no, need to wait, wait no, a second. No, 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 it's not Because a there are movie. action movies that are Christmas movies, so that yeah, can't jingle be Jingle All the Way, Hello. That yes, but that is movie. centered around a Christmas-themed element. And Die Hard is not. Die Hard takes place at Christmas. Okay. The end. The end. Boys. Right, Boy, save, right, right. save it for the podcast. Save right. it for the Christmas. Yeah, save it for the podcast. Right. I was just Christmas saying. Debate podcast. I was just saying you said it can't be a Christmas movie because it's an action movie and that doesn't make sense. No, no, no. Jingle All the Way is both. I know, but you, that's what you said, so I Boy, was just correcting. Incorrect. Save it, save it for the you Christmas movie. You said that. Debate. I said Die Hard is an action oh, movie. Boy. It is not a Christmas movie. You can't, I did not say that there cannot be, there cannot be some that are the same. I said Die Hard is an action movie. Yeah, not a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Die Hard, the end. Yes, just Die but they, Hard. But both can exist. Yes, I didn't say they couldn't. That's what I was saying. Oh, brother, this is going to be a good episode. I'm already mad about. Why it. did Andrew leave? Might record this tomorrow. He's upset with Garrett. He is. Sorry, I'm right. Look at his egg-shaped head. He's just steaming over there. <laughs> It's not gonna honestly, fit. honestly, I have a scary feeling that it's through the research, gonna I'm going to convince myself that it might be one. 
Interesting. I mean, if Die Hard is one, then Iron Man 3 is. I know. That's the thing. All right. And then you got Batman Returns. There you go. There you go. Anyway, I'm really I'm really tempted to keep going, but I'm not. Um, yeah, we we we've kind of. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say about Iron Man three. All right, well, shall we just it's, move on to the box? It's good. Office? It's better than two. It's not better than one, but it's That's like not far. one one three two. One three two, one and three being closer than three and two. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Shall we move on to the box office stats then? Sure. Yep. All right. Well, Iron Man 3 debuted on May 3rd, 2013. I believe, Josh, you and I actually saw this together. Yeah, I think so. I think we did on uh, of 2013. So um, there are certain movies that have dominated a box office weekend. Uh, this movie sort of is one of those typical definitions for that concept. So at number one, Iron Man 3 opened with a three-day total of $174.1 million. When was it released? Can you tell me again? This is May 3rd of 2013. So one would call it a summer blockbuster. Yeah, it definitively opened the summer that year. Uh, At number two, with $7.5 million, is Pain and Gain. So... 170, 174 million to seven. That's a huge gap. The uh, the box office share that weekend went heavily to Iron Man three. Uh, at number three, you have forty two. Uh, I believe about Willie uh, about um, oh shoot Jackie Robinson. Yes, Jackie Robinson, uh, and that brought in six million dollars in its fourth week. Future Black Panther. Remember? It is. Uh, Chadwick Boseman. Yep. Uh, right. And uh, at number four, you have, I don't even remember this movie, Oblivion. Do you guys remember this? With Tom Cruise? Yeah, Tom Cruise. Maybe. A veteran assigned to extract Earth's remaining resources remains to, begins to question what he knows about himself. Uh, yeah, I think it is Tom Cruise. Oblivion was in its third week. It brought in $5.6 And number five, The Crudes brought in $4.2 oh. in its seventh weekend. Um so Iron Man 3 would go on to make a really, really good $409 million domestically that year. Uh, but that was only 33% of its total haul because internationally it brought in $805 million overseas, um, which brings its worldwide total to $1.2 billion. Just a huge haul. The, the, um, the interest in Iron Man post-Avengers was astronomical and um that wouldn't really necessarily continue for all the other characters because we would still see thor the dark world and uh captain america the winter soldier did well but not nearly as well as iron man 3 by comparison uh at the end of the year uh for 2013 uh on the domestic side iron man 3 was the number two movie of the year uh you guys i don't think would ever guess the number one movie of 2013 on the u.s charts is it a uh, franchise-based movie? It is a franchise movie, and is, it is a sequel. Is it something kind of Fast and Furious? We've never done it. And no, it's not Fast and Furious. But... Uh, I don't know. I want to give up. I will, I, will, I will spare you the guessing, because it is Hunger Games Catching Fire. Oh. Brought in $424 million in the United States, making it the number one movie in the U.S. that year. 
At number three, like I said, Iron Man two or Iron Man three was number two. At number three, you had Frozen. At number four, Despicable Me. And at number five, Man of Steel. Uh, on the worldwide charts, it's a bit of a different picture. Frozen was number one. Iron Man three again, number two. Despicable Me two was number three. Uh, and The Hobbit: The Desolation of Smog was number four on the worldwide charts that year. Uh, number five was again Catching Fire. So the highest gross, the highest grossing uh, non sequel that year was Frozen. The highest grossing, I guess Frozen technically would be the highest grossing um, original concept for the most part too. Although it's loosely based on the Snow Queen, but I, I just for the sake of saying another movie, uh, one of the highest grossing original concepts that year was Gravity. Uh, brought mm-hmm. came in at number six that year on the U.S. charts and number eight on the worldwide. Um, some other big movies of 2013 that you may remember, uh, Fast and Furious 6, um, Star Trek Into Darkness, World War Z, uh, I'm trying to look for American Hustle, was a good one, The Great Gatsby came out that year, the one with Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, Grown Ups 2 is one we previously reviewed. Uh, Anchorman 2, Lone Survivor, I think that one did really well that year. Uh, okay. Yeah. The Wolf of Wall Street came out that year. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head what won Best Picture in 2013. I can find out, though. Robot Andrew will tell you in three, two, one. Twelve Years a Slave. Twelve Years a Slave. Was that the winner in 2013? Very good. Very good. All right. Uh, that's really it. I didn't go through this to see any other ones that we watched. But, yeah, go check out our Grown Ups and Grown Ups 2 review. We did that way back when. And uh, did you guys review Frozen? I can't remember. We have not. No. Okay. All right. Well, uh, that's really about it. So I will pass it on to the letterbox game, which I think Garrett won. It is me. It is I. It is the one and only Garrett who's running the letterbox game. Cool, cool. Um, yeah. <laughs> Y'all got guesses? I'm going to fire off and say 2.9. 2.9. I'm going to go with, no, not that high. I'm going to go with 2.7. 2. 2.7. Mm. Y'all are butts. <laughs> <laughs> now, for, uh, for the record, well, I won't say anything because, go ahead. I'm going to go with 3.0. 3.0. Okay. Oh, just, just for the record, Iron Man was at 3.7. On Letterbox, mm-hmm. um, Iron Man two is a two point nine. Mm. Two point nine. Yeah. So I think most people probably think Iron Man three is slightly better, but I'm gonna hope that it just averages down. So I gotta hit um, it on the head here. For the record, I made a guess because I forgot mine was three point two. Had I guessed. Mm-hmm. Josh and I would be going to a tiebreaker, but mm. as I did not, Josh wins. Uh, it is a 3.1. 3.1. I respect that. So another win for Josh. Josh takes a commanding lead in the overall letterboxed ranking. Ooh. I say I always commanding. forget that you're keeping track. Keeping track. Josh is up. Uh, Josh now has six letterboxed wins. Garrett and I are tied with five, and Andrew has four. Well, that's it for this episode. Find us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 
You can search for so many sequels on each of those apps. We're also on Letterboxd, um, all of us individually, individually as well as um, the show, so many sequels. We're all there. So we will see you next time with a, a new series. And you can also keep an eye out for a new video on our YouTube channel um, explaining what that is going to be because we don't know yet. So find us there, YouTube. Subscribe. YouTube. Hit the like buttons. YouTube. Till then.